Handle on the News. Handle on the News. Bill Handel. I think you're a really smart guy, and you've done a lot of good. Some of the things that you've been able to do are magical. And now, here's Bill Handel. All right. Uh, hump day. Good morning, everybody. Uh, the 11th day of April. It is a Wednesday. Uh, what kind of uh, motion are you doing there, Wayne? Oh, uh, there was a discussion about who on the show started calling Wednesday Hump Day. Oh, I think it was uh, Jennifer well, Jones. See, Lee. Alex said it was you. No, I no. thought it was well, Jen. I've been, doing it, I've been doing it forever, but yeah. she. But uh, it it's been returned. It's like bell bottom pants. Uh, at <laughs> I some brought point, it back. At some point, they you know, Jennifer Jones Lee brought it all back. All right, hello Jennifer. Hello, Hannah. hey Wayne. Good morning, Alex. Uh, Alex Razzo. <gasps> nice. Yay! Wow. And uh, John, uh, wait. Show me your hands. What do you mean? Show me your hands through. Pa- okay, I thought maybe you'd written it. No, on your no, hands. no. And uh, uh, there's John Eucharist boy um, Ramirez. John he's, seems a tad disrespectful. No, he's a real dedicated uh, believing Catholic. You had no idea what we scream about in the halls to each other. Uh, okay, it is uh, hump day. Oh, you know what? I, people get excited. Uh, about hump day, more than Friday around here. I don't know why. It's anticipation. I can feel the vibes. Yeah. You know, the vibrations are moving around the room here. Very exciting. For the weekend? Yeah. In anticipation, as I said, it's, uh, you know, for example, last night, uh, more exciting probably than tonight because this was wednesday eve well it's never mind i'm not even gonna go there it's just uh, I, I i'm not gonna i'm gonna actually agree with you on that because okay. i think about this is the the third night that i have to prep like i only have two more left like i've made it over right. the, the prep right. hump this is why uh when people work out oh i feel really good working out i don't i feel worse at the end of the workout than at the beginning and why is that because at the end of the workout, I'm one hour closer to the next workout than I am at the beginning. See? Which is worse than actually being in the middle of the workout. Oh, God, yeah. Oh, God, yeah. All right. Uh, let's just uh, do it. Good. Uh, yeah, Beach Boy song. Good, good, good vibrations. You know, remember that? Wow. Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. Okay. Great song. Oh, there you are. Great song. Means a lot. All right. I, I'm off on a on a tangent, but I'll tell you what we're not going to go off on a tangent when we now engage in Handle on the News, the lead story. And I'm sorry. It's Facebook. It sucks. It's Facebook. Yeah, I, yesterday was the uh, much-awaited Mark Zuckerberg apology, the apology tour uh, in front of two Senate committees, uh, 44 senators, all of them wanting to give their five minutes uh, most of the senators, senators had no idea what Facebook does. Had no idea. Didn't understand any of it. And Zuckerberg just kept on saying, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, and we're going to do more about that uh, at uh, 7 o'clock. And we have some sound cuts. And I thought Zuckerberg did fine. Uh, I really did. Uh, there was uh, nobody nailed him. Uh, he was a little stiff, uh, you know, granted. But he's a little stiff to begin with. You know, he's not the most emotive person on the planet, uh, but thought he handled it well. Uh, he certainly took directions from his uh, handlers. Oh, this man is no Donald Trump. There was nothing that was shot from the hip at all. 
And uh, and there were some weird, weird questions like all over the place, not just questions, statements. And I wish the statements, they they knew more about uh, what was going on with Facebook because they were asking questions about, well, what about this? Well, we can't do that on Facebook. Well, don't you think you should not do that? We can't. I think one of the questions was about WhatsApp and emails. You can't email on WhatsApp. But the, uh, the senator kept going and going and uh, just – anyway, we'll, we'll talk plenty more about that coming up at 7 o'clock. Yeah, because if nothing else, it did just show in a way how ignorant our lawmakers are when it comes to social media. But in rel- relatively speaking, they are all ignorant for the most part about virtually everything. Uh, they are not experts. And when you're dealing with hearings, uh, there's real expertise that has to be brought to the table. I'm talking about minutia. And they are not. They're generalists. Now, they have staff that are truly expert, in, you know, legislative staff that write statutes, for example. Or you have people in charge of uh, the medical constituency and the people that are experts. And then occasionally you will get experts. For example, uh, physicians who run for Congress are given uh, medical – they're given medical committees so they know what they're doing for the most part. But then again, uh, you have a heart surgeon and there's an issue as to – a new law as to podiatry. What the hell is he going to know? Yeah. Yeah, It's – I remember my uh, wife had, uh, she had back surgery a bunch of years ago, and the neurosurgeon who did it, uh, we became very close friends with. And so uh, one day we're talking, and she had a problem with that, literally her, her feet. And she asked, uh, she asked him, you know, Bill, uh, you know, I have a foot problem. He goes, what the hell do I know about feet? <laughs> Look it up. Talk to a podiatrist. You know more about feet than I do. Last time he looked at a foot, is when he was doing cadavers back in medical school 35 years before. Well, the president, I thought we were going to do a story on firing Robert Mueller. No, there's somebody else who might be on the chopping block. Out. He's fired. He's fired. And this time we're talking about Rod Rosenstein, but it's kind of a trickle down because... The president technically can't fire Robert Mueller because, according to Justice Department regulations, only the attorney general can. See, I don't. He can. What he does is order the attorney general or the deputy attorney general to fire. I mean, technically, procedurally, you're right. He can't say you're fired. You're fired, right? But he ordered Saturday Night Massacre uh, with Richard Nixon and Watergate. Uh, he couldn't physically fire. He had to order the attorney general, which at that time. Uh, said uh, Elliot Richardson, who said, no, thank you. I'm simply not going to do it. And he resigned. But since we don't have Jeff Sessions, because Sessions recused himself early on because of Russia. So you have, uh, well, actually, it wasn't, uh, even the attorney general wouldn't do it. It took Robert Bork, who the solicitor general of the United States, to do it. Well, I think we're we're getting to that. Yeah, Because if he were to let Rosenstein go, who is deputy attorney general. So you have next in line. Right. You know, there'll be some junior assistant uh, deputy uh, attorney that will end up doing the actual firing, the physical firing. So it's going to happen uh, if he wants it to happen, if he I makes that choice. Republicans are dying, though. You know, you know what? I have to tell you, I, I disagree. I think that people are going to babble. And so they're in gonna spite make, of what they're saying? Yeah, they're going to scream and rant. They're going, oh, my God, this is terrible, horrible, and then on with business. They won't do anything uh, to attack the president other than give words. 
It was in Artful. I love this. Uh, Paul Ryan. Okay, so he doesn't speak artfully, but the important thing are the taxes. And you watch the same thing happen. Uh, The important thing is not uh, who is the assistant attorney general or the Mueller investigation, since it's fake news anyway. The important thing is the agenda of the president. You will not see anything happening on the Republican side. In the meantime, the Democrats will be frothing at the mouth. They'll look like they all just brush their teeth without rinsing. You will see the foam coming out of their mouths. Take a break. Coming up, uh, your chance to win $1,000 brought to you by Cunning Dental. Need a new smile? Doesn't really matter. You're still not going to get laid. But you're going to look a lot better. Call Cunning Dental for a free exam, 888-640-SMILE. Uh, you're giving me the look, Jennifer. Of course I am. Of course you are. Uh, what's, uh, you want to share some news with us? I would love to. I'm picking up good vibrations. She's giving me the excitations. I'm picking up good vibrations. All right. We're back. Handle and the morning crew on a Wednesday. Here's your chance to win some money. Your shot at $1,000 now. Text the keyword money to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and messaging rates apply. That's money to 200-200. They call the winner, so you have to answer the phone like Angela in San Clemente did. She won $1,000. Your next chance to win next hour. All right, back we go. Oh, some of the big stories we're covering at 7 o'clock. Uh, talk about Mark Zuckerberg, what happened uh, in front of the two Senate committees. Uh, I think Zuckerberg won that one yesterday. And, of course, the biggest story we're going to talk about, or one of the big ones, uh, Bye Bye Mueller. Bye Bye Rosenstein. I think it's a song, isn't it? Bye 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 Rosenstein. I think, yeah, I think there's a song I thought it was a musical. About a... uh, Bye Bye Birdie. Popular, yeah. Yeah, it could be. All right, uh, back we go. More handle on the news. Jennifer Jones-Lee and Wayne Resnick and me. Well, uh, reportedly, federal prosecutors uh, looking at Michael Cohen's records aren't just interested in the Stormy Daniels situation, but also the Karen McDougal situation. I don't know. Did I? So this suggests that they're wanting, they want to see if there was a pattern. Also, this... Uh, with, with Trump's... Uh, not necess- Again, not necessarily the, the president himself, right. then candidate, but... People around him engaging in a pattern of there, paying hush money. Yeah, there was a huge story here because uh, what we're hearing is the only criminal violation is going to be federal election violations, mm-hmm. which is a, a misdemeanor. If and bank fact. fraud is well, being we, yeah, we're the bank hinted fraud, at. We don't know, but if he took, uh, if he went and got himself a loan on his house and then used if it to pay he off, Cohen lied well, about true. something in that application but I don't to think, get that more. Do they ask you what you're going to use it for? And if you just take the money out... Yes, sometimes the loan is conditioned on, for example, rehabbing the house or paying off certain specified debt. We don't know because we don't we, know, we don't we know what kind of... It. I'm just saying yeah. it's it's possible but, that he did something wrong in getting the mortgage, not, have, not having anything to do with what his plan was, uh, an that he himself right. did something and that an, he shouldn't an have. An important point of this is that if they're only looking at election law violations that's such small potatoes so what we're hearing because of how many people were involved in signing off on this because raiding an attorney's office is such a big deal especially an attorney who is a personal attorney of a sitting president 
That's never happened before. The implications are so massive that uh, what I'm hearing is there's a lot more to this than this. And especially when all of the players are Republicans and were appointed by President Trump. Uh, this is going. And then the issue of uh, what's going to happen if he fires Mueller and the constitutional crisis, which there's not going to be any. Uh, we've, we've got plenty to talk about on that one. Also, uh, Trump telling Russia, get ready for our smart missiles. Yep. This is all over Syria. And uh, Russia's involvement over there and Trump wanting to respond decisively to those chemical attacks. So I guess Russia said, well, if you you know, shoot any missiles at Syria, we'll shoot down those missiles. Right. And so Trump didn't like that very much. Right. And of course, uh, in retaliation for the gassings, which didn't take place as far as Russia is concerned. So it's just an arbitrary shooting down of missiles. And Russia said, and those missiles you have aren't that smart. Don't think they're that bright. Yeah, but then tweets. Uh, Trump tweeted that the missiles will be coming nice and new and smart. And the and, USS Donald Cook's in position. Yeah. It's right there by oh, Syria. Oh, something's going to be fired. within striking distance. Well, the uh, California Attorney General says he's going to go all natural to stop the border. When it's the wall. Comes Javier Becerra says that the fence would break environmental and public health law. Even though a judge already has said the Trump administration can go ahead, Javier Becerra says, nope, we're going to take this appeal to the Ninth U.S. Circuit Court. Yeah. When is the president not allowed to say, I'm waiving environmental law when it comes to uh, national security? What does the president, if there's a national security issue, for example, let's say he is going to unleash some kind of an attack. Uh, does... Uh, the uh, uh, does the attorney general go, oh, no, no, you have to do an environmental impact study first before you do anything else. I mean, come on, that's just stupid on its face. Well, there's a law that says he doesn't have to. I know on top of that. And I love so, what, and, I and, love, and they're challenging the law. They're I not know, they're not so much saying the judge got it wrong. They're saying the law that the judge relied on that law is flawed. And they're going right. to try to get what the Ninth Circuit to I overturn a law like and that. I don't see how. Uh, giving uh, the law, which gives the president virtually unlimited uh, unlimited reasons and uh, it, the unlimited ability to, based on national security, do whatever the hell he wants. Oh, no, environmental impact studies are more important. And uh, Becerra describes the wall as a medieval wall. Oh, right. Oh, yeah. There's no bias there. All right. We'll take a big, big time. We'll take a break. All right, Jennifer, you're up. KFI Handle here, uh, Wednesday, uh, April 11th. Uh, more Handle. Oh, some of the big stories we're covering, incidentally. Syria missiles. Uh, the United States going to launch uh, the smart, new, uh, fairly bright, not-so-stupid missiles uh, into uh, Syria. We'll find out. And are we going to sing bye-bye Mueller, bye-bye Rosenstein? Actually, we should do a song uh, during the next break. Uh, Wayne, what do you think? You're good at those songs. Whip out a little karaoke. No, uh, we'll see. We'll see what we can whip up. Yeah. I don't. I don't have any instruments here. No, but you have karaoke. This morning, maybe. Yeah, I'll, we'll get. I'll get with John. Okay. And uh, just confirmed uh, that uh, Speaker Ryan is not going to run for re-election. That's a huge deal. We'll 
probably no doubt talk about that one too. All right, now let's let's go back to uh, handle on the news uh, with Jennifer Jones Lee, Wayne Resnick, and me. Well, uh, the guy who was behind the swatting incident that resulted in a man being shot in Wichita has apparently figured out a way to get on the internet from jail. Tyler Raj Barris, 25, uh, a supremely evil human being, is sitting in a county jail in Kansas awaiting trial on uh, involuntary manslaughter charges and some other charges in connection with that incident. And uh, all of a sudden, on his Twitter account, he tweets, How am I on the internet if I'm in jail? Oh, because I'm an e-god. That's how. And then he... And then he says, All right, now who's talking blank? Your butt is about to get swatted. And it turns out they have kiosks in this jail that the prisoners can use for certain functions. They did an upgrade, and the vendor messed it up and left a hole so that people who know how to do it can get on the internet, and that's what this guy's doing. Very special. Well, yesterday we had that um, the football player who said, hey, do we have packing explosives at the airport? Well, now you've got an actor who's been arrested for allegedly calling in a fake bomb threat on a train. Really? People, let's not do this. Really? So former Silicon Valley star... Todd Joseph or T.J. Miller is facing federal charges that he called in a fake bomb threat on an Amtrak train. Hey, I'm assuming when he tried out for Silicon Valley, they did not give him an IQ test? Apparently not. And, uh, I don't think it's a matter that he's not smart. He is a troubled individual. There's some substance issues. He's had other uh, situations with erratic behavior before. Yeah, and, but you call in uh, a bomb threat, unlike yesterday, where it was just a throwaway funny line right? Uh, that just didn't go over well because you can't make jokes at TSA checkpoints. This one is uh, certainly more measured. Uh, this one is an intent issue. Well, it sounds like it, it looks like he was intoxicated in some way and had kind of gotten into, they call it a hostile exchange with a woman who was sitting in a different row from him in the first class car on this Amtrak train. And then at some point he calls and reports that she's been checking in her bag. And he claims that, you know, she, she was looking in it, know, but not taking weird. anything out. Just and, cra- I mean, crazy. Yeah, Doesn't make she any some sense. sort of explosive in there. Yeah. Uh, the chief justice of the California Supreme court wants to make it very clear when judges get sexual harassment issues and settle them, their names need to be made public. There is a rule about it. There is already a rule that says this, but I guess there's some uh, squishiness in the wording. And so she came out and said, hey, let's not beat around the bush here. You must reveal the names of these judges. Now, the other side of that, and I'm not defending, I'm not saying this isn't a good idea. You can kiss goodbye NDAs. Those are gone. Uh, There is no reason that a judge would ever, ever agree to an NDA. So uh, at this point, there is no woman who could receive any money. There wouldn't be settlements. Or there still might be settlements that they would go public. It would be the state settling. Uh, There wouldn't be private settlements. Right. But also, would you rather have a settlement and like we settle and we uh, nobody admits like I don't admit any wrongdoing? Or would you rather be dragged through a disciplinary proceeding or even a civil lawsuit as a judge? So there still might be incentive to settle, but not to keep your name out of the news. Well, the LAPD officers who fatally shot a man who have a toy gun or had a toy gun, they've been cleared by the police commission. Yeah, unanimously. 
is signing with the chief, Charlie Beck. Yeah, these guys, you might have remembered this one. It was these officers had been called to Wilmington uh, Boulevard to check uh, about a man carrying a gun. And they do see this guy walking down the street. And um, he apparently, they claim that he, they told him to drop the gun and that he didn't. And they say that he raised it in their direction. And they had bailed out of the car so quickly they didn't put it in right. park. And the car ran over him, but by then he had already been killed. After they'd shot him right. 10 or 11 times. Now, here is, and here's the point I want to make. Of course, the family is getting very upset. The local activists are saying murder, murder, and they shouldn't have shot him or they should have wounded him or whatever. But it goes back to the story we did yesterday, and that is changing the law to say reasonable force, and that is uh, the police think reasonably their lives were in danger. There's a gun. They didn't take the time to try to figure out whether or not it was a toy gun or not. Uh, and then move it into reasonable force. Well, it is unreasonable to shoot a man with a toy gun. And so, therefore, that it, shooting someone with a toy gun may very well be violation of policy. Because it's not reasonable. You should have known. Now, the only time uh, you know you're wrong is when it turns out to be a real gun and a cop gets killed. Uh, but at that point, uh, you know what? No harm, no foul. Because it's far less important, uh, societally speaking, that an officer be shot and killed than it is a guy who happens to have a toy gun or a knife or reaches into his waistband. I mean, this is, this is really crazy. As a matter of fact, on Monday, I'm not going to be here. I'm speaking uh, in front of uh, the California Sheriff's Association, and uh, this I'm going to talk about this uh, to the sheriffs and say, uh, I don't know how you guys even want to be cops. Man, it's beyond my understanding why anybody at this point would want to be a police officer. All right, we'll take a break, come back, and uh, we'll finish this up. Jennifer Jones-Lee, a news item from you. All right, handle here. It is a uh, Wednesday hump day. And uh, one of the biggest stories we're uh, covering is uh, Paul Ryan has confirmed he will not be running for re-election. Uh, re that is enormous news. Uh, he's having a press conference uh, coming up in about 10 minutes. And he's going to explain why. I don't think we're going to be taking it live, but uh, certainly covering it. And uh, I think John Thomas later on is uh, going to join us and talk about the political consideration, because that's what it is. It's all political. And it change the landscape at all. All right, back we go as we finish Handle on the News. Jennifer Jones-Lee, Wayne Resnick, and me. Well, after the shooting of Stephen Clark, uh, Sacramento decides to actually have a policy about when the cops can turn off or mute their body cameras. Because that's one of the things that makes that shooting, I mean, there are other reasons too, but one of the things that makes it so controversial is... After they shot him, they went mute, mute, mute. Yeah, and it makes a, it sound like we're about to engage right. in a cover-up of some kind. Now, there was no policy prior to this. And the new policy, Sacramento PD, uh, is uh, that uh, the officers should only turn off their microphone uh, when having personal conversations. Although that personal conversation is about just shooting someone, I think, is appropriate. Or dealing with a confidential informant or a victim of sexual assault or if a supervisor instructs them to do so, and, uh, boy, there's some explaining to do with that one. You talk to the, they uh, ask the supervisor, why did you ask him to turn off uh, the, the audio part of the camera in general? So there'll be some changes there. 
Well, in Kern County, the sheriff has been caught on tape saying that it costs less to kill suspects than to wound them. Well, this was uh, how many years ago? 2006. Right, 12 years ago. And uh, it could have been a a throwaway line. I mean, I've said the same thing. Uh, See, the argument here is that therefore he's advocating uh, that you wound instead of kill uh, which is, incidentally, uh, you would, the activists, that's what they want. Why kill when you can wound? But it, the optics of this thing are horrible. Well, on camera, he's heard say, or I guess caught saying, when a deputy shoots somebody, which is better financially to cripple them or kill them for the county. And it's true. And off, kind of out of the, the view of the camera, though, he says, kill them? Absolutely. Because if you cripple them, you have to take care of them for yeah. life, and that cost goes but way up. But is that just factual? Is it that is. just a factual right. assessment then, of... Yes. And that's the argument that, that he says... Uh, and that is, in no way was I advocating crippling anybody. No, killing. Uh, uh, it sounds like he's advocating killing, killing them instead of crippling. Right. Yeah. And uh, so, uh, and it is, it is factual. I talk about the same thing when you talk about wrongful death in uh, accidents. Uh, it is far better for the plaintiff to have, uh, or the uh, defendant to have the plaintiff die than to be permanently disabled where you have a lifetime of support. Uh, and uh, if someone's a quadriplegic, for example, that's millions and millions of dollars to take care of someone. That's a factual issue. Now, it depends on what the context was. Was he joking about it? Uh, was it a ha-ha? Was it totally insensitive in the sense he was making fun of? Or was it merely a factual statement? And we don't know the context. And I think in part, too, it's because this sheriff, Donnie Youngblood, has been seen as a guy who bucks liberal California. He wants to make Kern County this law and order but it place. Doesn't even, but it doesn't it, even matter. No, but I'm just saying that it. it I get it. People are the like, op- see, the look. It's, it, absolutely. Exactly. Uh, weird story. This couple is coming home uh, from the hospital. We don't know why. But they're coming home from the hospital, and somebody shoots at their car several times. They get out. There's three bullet holes on the passenger side. There's two in the trunk and one in her purse. The bullet stopped by her wallet. One of those incredible lucky win the lottery stories. Because that's the bullet that might have hit her if it hadn't been stopped by the wallet. All right. Yes. Let's just move on. Okay. This story is bizarre and sad, and there might be... A sad ending to it. It's this family from Santa Clarita, Valencia specifically. They go on this road trip up to Portland. They're supposed to come down from Portland, visit family in San Jose. They never make it to San Jose. They haven't been heard from since last week. Now, there are people who say that somewhere in like the Klamath River area that they saw uh, a minivan that it looks a lot like theirs go off the road during a really bad rainstorm, super windy road, right into the Eel River. Yeah, and the the uh, the van has not been found. No, the divers say that this river is so swollen and going so quickly they can't even get in. So um, they hope that it's not them, but... Why would a... Uh, well, we've seen uh, uh, unoccupied cars and vans being swept down sure. uh, in the middle of streets when the water was rushing down. That's the hope. But the family is... They don't know where the family is. No. So that's probably not going to bode well. All right. One last thing here. A woman comes to the border in her Honda Odyssey, and with her, she has her five kids and 231 pounds of drugs. Yep. They at-
had loaded that thing up in the the side panels, the gas tank, the gas tank, the spare tire well, filled with packages of meth, cocaine, and heroin, more than a million dollar street value. Now, I didn't know. I, I assume that that they have an Im- imaging system. Yes. At the border, and I don't quite know what is. Is, is it a form of X-ray? Is, yeah. Uh, that yeah. What it is? And they can, and instantly they can see like well, there's a bunch of stuff. It's like when you put your bag through at the airport, and they go, "There's a weird mass there. We need to know what it is." And let's not forget, this mom did tape some of the cocaine to her kids' bodies. That's lovely. Yeah. yeah. Very special. All right. Uh, coming up, Mark Zuckerberg's first day of testimony. I'm going to tell you, I think Mark Zuckerberg won this thing. And I'm going to spend some time talking about that. We have some sound cuts. Also, we're expecting Paul Ryan uh, to speak to uh, the press. A few comments on his uh, decision not to run for re-election. And later on, uh, at 920, I'm going to talk to uh, John Thomas about what this means. So there's a lot going on today. This is KFI AM 640. Let's KFI handle here on a Wednesday morning a surprise announcement this morning, uh, and that is Paul Ryan, the Speaker of the House, uh, has announced he will not seek re-election, which is enormous news relative to what's happening, the midterms, uh, the Trump agenda, uh, the Republicans, uh, why Paul Ryan was elected Speaker, and now he's not even being, uh, he won't run for re-election in Congress. So uh, as soon as he starts speaking, we'll go ahead and cut to him. We're waiting for remarks, and uh, we'll see how long we're with him. And then at 920, uh, John Thomas is joining us for some analysis uh, because I cannot stress how important this is uh, politically, and that means uh, affecting all of us uh, with the election and with uh, the agenda and uh, how how it affects us on every level. All right, so we're waiting for that. In the meantime, uh, I want to go back to yesterday and even today where Mark Zuckerberg is testifying before two Senate committees joined together at the hip, conjoined committees, Ng and Ng, or Yang and Ng, the Siamese twins, never mind. Uh, the Senate Judiciary Committee and the Senate Co- Commerce Committee, and That's almost that almost worked, and uh, what happened yesterday was uh, a couple of things. You had 44 senators. That is an enormous number of senators to attend a hearing. And since everybody wants their 15 minutes of fame, everyone received five minutes of fame. And as usual, some were questions. And I thought legitimate questions where the senators sounded fairly smart, uh, truly wanted to know the answer. Uh, others sounded as if the senator just wanted to pontificate, which is a, what, what a shocker the senators want a national springboard, a national platform to pontificate, thinking they sound smart. And uh, the other ones were uh, senators who I think were legitimately trying to obtain information had no idea what Facebook is even about. No concept of Facebook and what it can do, uh, restrictions, if any. And so, of course, who best to nail to the wall but Mark Zuckerberg. 
Then again, you know, he came right to the table. He said, hey, here's the bottom line. I started it. I own it. I run it. And so all the mistakes you can attribute to me, the buck stops here, is what he said. And I'm sorry. Well, I didn't stop four hours, did it, of uh, the questioning. And he had worked very hard uh, with various consultants. And you can bet that whenever you're 32 years old and you're worth, I don't know, $20, $30 billion, you can hire pretty much the best consultants out there. And it was to hone not only his message but his delivery, of which I don't care how many people you hire to deal with your delivery. If you are Mark Zuckerberg, uh, it's going to be tough. It is not going to be easy to do that. And uh, he um, he did exactly what was expected. And that is take the blame, apologize. Matter of fact, it's been an apology tour for days. A couple of interesting points. And that is I thought he came off better than did the senators, frankly, my opinion. He wore a suit. And frankly, I thought the next time he would wear a suit would be at his funeral when they put him in a box. This is a guy who wears T-shirts, sometimes shorts. I'd love to see a bar mitzvah picture of Zuckerberg. And I'm willing to bet it was T-shirt and uh, board shorts. I would uh, love to see that. And he answered the questions. In many cases, there were uh, questions that he couldn't answer. Uh, For example, very... uh, Questions that had to deal with policy that uh, minutia was involved. How do you change this to that? And he didn't know. He said, I'll get uh, back to you. As a courtesy, Zuckerberg wasn't even sworn in. They didn't even swear him in. However, uh, he still has an obligation to tell the truth. You don't get away with saying, I wasn't under the penalty of perjury when I lied uh, to Congress. Doesn't work that way. And he had read uh, from a prepared statement that had already been released to the press. And it was identical, not only the statement yesterday, uh, the days before, been released to the press. uh, But it's the way he's been handling it from minute one. And uh, here is uh, uh, one of, um, well, let's go to one of the uh, the senators talking about uh, Facebook and his response. This is audio one. Facebook is an idealistic and optimistic company. For most of our existence, we focused on all of the good that connecting people can do. And as Facebook has grown, people everywhere have gotten a powerful new tool for staying connected to the people they love, for making their voices heard, and for building communities and businesses. Yeah, the only thing missing in that one was uh, the teleprompter. That was in front of his face at the time. And uh, he tried to focus on the positive things. When in doubt, always spin to the positive. You don't really want to admit how Facebook sucks. Just recently, we've seen the Me Too movement and the March for Our Lives organized, at least in part, on Facebook. After Hurricane Harvey... People came together to raise more than $20 million for relief. And more than 70 million small businesses use Facebook to create jobs and grow. All right. Well, we're waiting for uh, Paul Ryan, incidentally. He's now walking down the hall uh, towards uh, the press room of uh, the House. 
Uh, I'll do, uh, we'll interrupt uh, because we're looking at about a minute out. Now, uh, Zuckerberg uh, admitted he did not do a good job of handling user data and other issues. And again, uh, he says, my fault, I tried, I failed, I'm the big kahuna here. But it's clear now that we didn't do enough to prevent these tools from being used for harm as well. And that goes for fake news, for foreign interference in elections and hate speech, as well as developers and data privacy. We didn't take a broad enough view of our responsibility, and that was a big mistake. And it was my mistake, and I'm sorry. I started Facebook, I run it, and I'm responsible for what happens here. Now, a point, uh, this is a prepared statement that he's reading from. And uh, most people don't do really well at prepared statements. It's just, these aren't news people. Uh, These are not people who have any experience. And you try to get a a little bit more spontaneous when the questions uh, come. And it's, um, again, it's not easy, especially when you are Mark Zuckerberg. Uh, He's just not the public speaker. So let's do this. Uh, Do we, uh, and you tell me, Jennifer, do we take a break? Uh, and then come back with uh, Paul Ryan because they, they gave us a two-minute warning. Yeah, like two minutes ago. So and two minutes ago. I can do a quick or, update for you. Or... Uh, yeah, we can do that. And keep in mind what we're waiting for is uh, we're waiting for uh, Paul Ryan, who announced he will not seek re-election uh, it, for his uh, congressional seat. Uh, and that is beyond big, huge news. Also, uh, at some point, we'll, of course, take a break. And it'll be your chance to win $1,000 brought to you by Cunning Dental. And if you have loose teeth, you call Cunning Dental for a free exam. Call 888-640-SMILE. So let's take an abbreviated uh, break. Jennifer. The Lambda Chi Alpha Fraternity at Cal Poly San Luis Obispo has been suspended over social media posts that showed a member in blackface. Other photos showed frat guys dressed as gangster stereotypes and throwing gang signs. The number of people killed in a military plane crash in Algeria is climbing. Local media reporting now at least 257 people died in this morning's crash. The Russian-built plane went down outside a military base not far from the nation's capital. And Dodgers co-owner Magic Johnson has confirmed rumors that Dodger Stadium will host the All-Star Game in 2020. It'll be the first Midsummer Classic at Dodger Stadium in 40 years. We have problems with your commute on the 5. Still, we'll check the KFI in the sky next. So you all know Dr. Rispler and the team at LDI are national leaders in non-surgical skin tightening. But do you really know everything they can do for you? Look, Dr. Rispler has been helping people improve their skin for over 35 years and has built a skincare institution based on the results he gets for his patients. If you want a facelift or neck lift without surgery, call LDI. I'm talking about tightening that loose skin around your face, eyes, and neck. You want to smooth out the deep wrinkles or lines around your mouth or get rid of the sun-damaged skin and red and brown spots. How about that acne or the acne scar? you just haven't been able to get rid of. Plain and simple, where other treatments or facilities have failed, LDI gets results. LDI also has the most state-of-the-art tattoo removal technology in the world with a breakthrough four wavelengths, removing even the most difficult tattoos more effectively and with fewer treatments. The best part, the consultation, totally free. Free. Call 800-606-6000, 800-606-6000, or go to getldi.com. Indeed, used by over 3 million businesses for hiring, where business owners and HR professionals can post job openings with screener questions, then sort, review, and communicate with candidates from an online dashboard. Learn more at Indeed.com hire. Southland weather from the Norm Reeves Honda Weather Center. 
partly cloudy today, and I think House Speaker Paul Ryan is just coming into the room. So partly cloudy today has low 60s at the beaches, low 80s inland. Here's House Speaker Paul Ryan. Morning. Uh, I wanted to share with you a little of what I just told my colleagues uh, a few minutes ago. Uh, You realize something when you take this job. It's a big job with a lot riding on you, and you feel it. Uh, But you also know that this is a job that does not last forever. Uh, You realize that you hold the office for just a small part of our history, so you better make the most of it. It's fleeting, and that inspires you to do big things. And on that score, I think we have achieved a heck of a lot. You all know that I did not seek this job. I took it reluctantly, uh, but I have given this job everything that I have. And I have no regrets whatsoever for having accepted this responsibility. This has been one of the two greatest honors of my life. The job provides incredible opportunities, but the truth is, It's easy for it to take over everything in your life. And you can't just let that happen. Because there are other things in life that can be fleeting as well. Namely, your time as a husband and a dad, which is the other great honor of my life. Uh, That's why today I'm announcing that this year will be my last one as a member of the House. Uh, To be clear, I am not resigning. I intend to full my serve term as I was elected to do. But I will be retiring in January, leaving this majority in good hands with what I believe is a very bright future. Um, It's almost hard to believe, but I have been a member of Congress for almost two decades. This is my 20th year in Congress. Um, My kids weren't even born when I was first elected. Our oldest was 13 years old when I became Speaker. Uh, Now all three of our kids are teenagers. And one thing I've learned about teenagers is um, their idea of an ideal weekend is not necessarily to spend all of their time with their parents. (laughs) Uh, What I realize is if I am here for one more term, my kids will only have ever known me as a weekend dad. Uh, I just can't let that happen. Um, So I will be setting new priorities in my life, but I will also be leaving incredibly proud of what we have accomplished. Um, some of you know my story. My dad died when I was 16, uh, the, the, daughter, the age my daughter is. And I just don't want to be one of those people looking back at my life thinking I spent more time with my kids when I know if I spend another term, uh, they will only know me as a weekend father. Uh, so I'm really proud of what we've been able to do. When I took this job, one of my conditions was that we aim high, that we do big things, that we fashion an agenda that we run on that agenda, that we win an election, and then we execute that agenda. I am so proud that that is exactly what we have done and what we are doing right now. We've accomplished so much since then. Probably the two biggest achievements for me are first, the major reform of our tax code for the first time in 36 years, uh, which has already been a huge success for this country, and that's something I've been working on in my entire adult life. Second, something I got much, much more invested on since becoming Speaker, is to rebuild our nation's military. And after tax reform addressing our military readiness crisis, that was a top priority that we got done last month as well. These I see as lasting victories that will make this country more prosperous and more secure for decades to come. 
There are so many other things that we have gotten done. And of course, I'm going to look back proudly on my days at the Budget Committee and the Ways and Means Committee. Uh, but I, want to, I don't want to be too sentimental here. Uh, I want to be clear, I'm not done yet. I intend to run through the tape to finish the year. Some of you wonder why I can't just do the normal politician thing, and which is to run and then retire after the election. That is what I'm told is the politically shrewd thing to do. Uh, I considered that. Uh, but just as my conscience is what got me to take this job in the first place, my conscience could not handle going out that way. I pledge to serve the people of Wisconsin, the first district, honorably. And in order to serve the people in my district honorably, I have to serve them honestly. And for me to ask them to vote to reelect me, knowing that I wasn't going to stay, is not being honest. So I simply cannot do that. So that's why I'm announcing this today. Again, I am proud of what this conference has achieved, and I believe its future is bright. The economy is strong. We've given Americans greater confidence in their lives. And I have every confidence that I'll be handing this gavel on to the next Republican Speaker of the House next year. So just to close, I said earlier that I didn't want this job at first. And you, most of you know this. I really actually didn't. But I have to thank my colleagues for giving me this opportunity and this honor. I am really grateful for it. I also want to thank the people of southern Wisconsin for placing their trust in me as their representative for the past 20 years. I've tried to bring as much Wisconsin to Washington as I can in that time. It's been a wild ride, but it's been a journey well worth taking to be able to do my part to strengthen the American idea. That pursuit is never ending. Much work remains, but I like to think I have done my part, my little part in history to set us on a better course. Thank you. Sherman. All right, that's uh, Congressman uh, Paul Ryan, uh, Speaker of the House, who said, uh, I'm done. He's not running for re-election, which, of course, blows wide open the fight for the Speaker of the House. Now, keep in mind, the only reason he became the Speaker is that he was a compromised candidate. I mean, the fight was going crazy, and he was the only one that everybody felt okay with. Because, well, you just heard who he is. He's an honorable guy who uh, is very much less a politician uh, than he is uh, a decent human being, and he wants to spend time with his family. That's not news, incidentally. When he was first elected speaker, he said, I'm not going to be your normal speaker. I want I want to be home on weekends. Uh, I'm certainly going to spend time with my family. I want to work out. He's a fanatic worker-outer. He's in very good shape. That's Worker-outer, yeah, that's a verb, too. And uh, he uh, just was very different. Now, the speaker's job is, uh, as he said, very, very important and taxing. Because not only is it the speaker, not only does he represent First District in Wisconsin as a congressman, but he also represents the Republican Party, the fundraising he has to do, the huge administrative task that he has. He operates Congress. That's what the speaker does. He chooses chairs. He tells people uh, what committees they're going to be on. Uh, he moves office space around. You don't want to piss off the speaker because then you end up up in the high reaches of the attic in terms of office space. He has enormous power. Enormous. Now, uh, one major flaw, and that is uh, how proud he was, and he is, of uh, what uh, the Republicans have been able to accomplish. 
One, the uh, biggest change in the tax code in 36 years and building up the military like crazy. All of it true. By the way, he he sort of missed out on DACA and uh, the repeal and replace. Uh, Well, okay, that one really wasn't important, although that was one of the big, big ones that he backed up initially. But all right, that's small potatoes that he didn't get there. But the big ones, the two big ones that he talked about, and that is the tax uh, reform and the military. Here's what he left out is that in order to accomplish those two items, which he did, the Republicans did, what they're not talking about is they blew a hole through the deficit and our debt. I mean, big enough to put a truck through. No, big enough to put an aircraft carrier through. Oh, well, so what? So Paul Ryan, whose mantra used to be the debt and the deficit, That's all gone. And let me give you the analogy, okay? You own a $300,000 house, and then you go out and you buy a million-dollar house. Look how well I'm doing. What a success I am. Your neighbors, your friends say, what a success you are. $300,000 to a million dollars. Oh, we're leaving out the fact that you're borrowing another $700,000 with no ability to pay it whatsoever. None. You can't afford it. But look at the house. And at what point is the foreclosure? And that's the question I'm asking. With what the speaker just said, who's going to be a former speaker in January, uh, with what the Republicans have brought to the table And that is, when is the foreclosure? Now, the only thing worse than when is the foreclosure that the Republicans have brought to the table if the Democrats win the next election. Let's say it's an Elizabeth Warren, uh, Bernie Sanders party, which is on its way of doing. Then the foreclosure happens the day after tomorrow. Literally, it happened. It's it's instant. It's instantaneous. I wonder if there could be California implications, though, because of this, because you have uh, House Majority Leader Kevin McCarthy, who is from California, and then you have uh, the majority whip Steve Scalise. Those are the two guys that are in line who've kind of been angling to take this job because everybody assumed that Paul Ryan would go. Well, you already have President Trump's endorsement, basically, of Kevin McCarthy. He calls him my Kevin. So if he were to get behind Kevin McCarthy in this... Could we see then a, a California, sure. a Republican sure. taking sure. that spot? And what would that mean then for our state? Uh, theoretically, it means more for us. Uh, however, California is such a blue state uh, that uh, we are at odds with anybody who's a Republican. Does that position hold enough weight to change anything no, in that regard? No, no, I don't think so. Uh, even to the point where, uh, even to the point where, if uh, Kevin McCarthy were to bring home, uh, let's say, a, a good deal of pork, California, go, we don't want your pork. It's probably true. we don't want it because you're a Republican. All right, uh, coming up. Oh, here's your chance to win some cash. Your shot at one thousand dollars now. Text the keyword BILLS to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and messaging rates apply. That's BILLS to 200-200. All right, now uh, let's uh, go take a break, and then I'm going to come back and talk about Zuckerberg. Haven't finished finished him. Oh, yeah, we've got, oh, yeah, today there are changes, and it's fun, and this is when I love doing this show. All right. 
Jennifer Jones Lee. You talk dirty to me. All right, handle here on a rather momentous uh, Wednesday. Paul Ryan uh, just announcing that he is not running for re-election. Come January, there'll be a new uh, Republican speaker, assuming that the Democrats don't blow everybody out in the midterms. Uh, then it's going to be a Democratic speaker of uh, the House. Uh, Syria missile keeps on going. Uh, the Mueller story uh, and Mark Zuckerberg. All of that is trending. So I want to return to Mark Zuckerberg because this is the second day of uh, testifying in front of two Senate committees, conjoined Senate committees, the Judiciary and the Commerce Committee. Uh, Yesterday, uh, he gave his statement, exactly the same statement that he had given uh, the day before, and as he did his apology tour, uh, wore a suit yesterday. That was a shocker. And it was, uh, he was rather stiff, but he's a stiff kind of guy anyway. But what I, here's what I thought, and that is, I thought he won. Because we knew what he was going to do. He was very contrite, uh, didn't get into any kind of a fight, although he could have. And uh, according to Zuckerberg, and here's what he's saying. And that is, well, the, the senators are attacking like crazy. And he said, not only am I sorry, but here's what we've already done. We're devising a system that will require advertisers wanting to run ads on divisive political issues to go through an authorization process with us. We're going to shut off a service that allow people to find other users by phone numbers or emails. In other words, uh, data mining. Uh, we're curtailing the ability of data brokers to combine shopping and other information in its ad targeting system. Now, we're talking about this is commerce that no one cares about. Until it hit politics, until Cambridge Analytica and the interference with the Russians, yeah, does anybody care? I mean, you know, I go to Costco and I buy kielbasa. Do I, I don't care if you know that. Actually, chub salami, which is the best chub salami out there, just to let you know. Uh, and so uh, the database mining for commercial purposes, I don't think people really care about. Matter of fact, the, other, the argument is I want to see those ads. If I'm out shopping for, let's say I buy cheap gas, uh, Marjorie will stand in line for half an hour to save five cents a gallon at Costco. Uh, I'd like to know where in the area they're having a blowout sale, a gas war. Not that those occur, occur anymore. Uh, he's uh, committed to hiring more workers uh, dedicated to security and content review and making sure ads on the platform comply with its policies. So uh, you had a, a few senators that were asking for more regulation. Uh, and that is, we want tougher regulations to control Facebook's use of user data. Uh, John Thune and Chuck Grassley, Iowa. Well, let's say they pass regulations. Are they going to be tougher than what Facebook is already doing? No. What, you think they're going to just introduce legislation? You're not going to have Facebook and other uh, it, uh, other social media sites spending $8 trillion on lobbyists to water down? And uh, so uh, what Zuckerberg did explain is one challenge, how long to make the written policy, uh, the privacy policy that users would see. One of the senators came up with, uh, it looked like about 200 pages, and said, this is your user policy that people have to say yes to before you're able to move ahead. Have you ever met anybody on the planet who has read that? Not 
a soul. Nobody. And uh, so, uh, so what do they do? Do they simplify it? Well, insurance companies certainly have done that. If you look at an auto or a home insurance policy, you used to have to read those things with magnifying glasses. And the language was so arcane, the language was so convoluted that it took a lawyer, actually it took the lawyer who wrote it, to read it. Well, they've changed that completely. And you'll see big block letters. Insured means you. Insurance company means us. Vehicle means the car or van you're driving. I mean, simplistic, easy to read, and they've already made that change. And then the argument was, do you think it's a monopoly? Do you think you have any real competition? Well, according to Zuckerberg, people use an average of eight different apps to connect to friends and family. So, no, I don't think Facebook is a monopoly. Of course it's a monopoly. It has two billion users around the country. So what are they going to do around the world? So what are they going to do? Going to break it up? Uh, okay, they certainly did that with AT&T. How about would you help ICE? Because, of course, you have information uh, that no one else on the planet has. Well, Zuckerberg responded that we will not proactively help, which makes a lot of sense. And uh, then there were a bunch of questions. Uh, Senator Shelley Moore, Capito, Republican, would Facebook commit to joining a U.S. Food and Drug Administration effort to crack down on illicit online sales of drugs? And was, uh, you know what Zuckerberg says? Uh, well, I'll send a meeting to this. I mean, of course, I'll sit down and talk to you guys about this. But what? I'm going to make these massive procedural and policy changes right here, right now. A $40 billion company. And I wish that uh, that Zuckerberg, and he can't fight back to uh, the Senate. I wish Zuckerberg had said, uh, well, Senator, how about you making massive total changes? And let's talk about, oh, let's talk about a constitutional amendment. And I want it right now. I want your commitment in front of the American people. I mean, it really went that far. And what was also surprising was how little the senators understood of what was going on. Well, uh, keep in mind the chairs of these committee, the average age is, or the mean age is 80. I mean, you're talking about 75, 80 year olds. What the hell do they know of Facebook? All right. uh, Coming up, uh, the Airbnb regulations. Uh, No. What else are we going to do? I know that's, yeah, we'll do that. California kids simply aren't that dumb. And uh, there's a story here about exceptionalism. The United States is the best country in the world, right? Depends on who you're asking, depends on what you're asking, depends on what you're looking at. I want to share that with you when we come back. This is KFI AM 640. Yeah, we're just young, dumb, and broke, but we still got love to get while we're young, dumb, young, young, dumb, and broke, young, dumb. Every two years, uh, we uh, get uh, testing information uh, from the nation's fourth and eighth grades, graders that are tested in math and reading. And uh, we just got results from last year's tests and... All right, uh, it's it's a little better news, incrementally better than the last time around. But I, I want to make a point here. 
And that is the point about exceptionalism. And, I, and I'll put this together. I mean, there actually is a method to my madness here. It is easy to say we are the best country in the world. We hear that all the time. And uh, we are in some cases. See, that, that's an easy question to answer flippantly. Now, when you actually look at, the, when you actually look at that question, and uh, exceptionalism, we're the best no matter what. Well, let's dive into it a little bit. Uh, we're the best, certainly in terms of the high, high-end universities, the MITs, the Harvards, the Yales, the Stanfords. We have more of those universities than any other place in the world, even per capita. So for that kind of education, we are the best. Now let's move down the road. Let's start dropping down to high schoolers, state collegers, Junior collegers, high school dropouts, we're not even close. We're behind everybody else in the industrialized world. We're the best. How about infant mortality? We're the best country in the world. Well, in reality, our infant mortality rate is the highest in the industrialized world. So when I ask the question that we are the best, opportunity, I think we're at the top of the heap. Education, only the very highest education. Opportunity to get a college degree, probably the best in the world. Medical care, absolutely the best in the world if you're at the top end. Talk to 47 million uninsured people and talk about how the best medical care in the world. Talk to someone who lives in the inner city and they're waiting to go to SC, County USC, for a surgery. And, uh, and they're waiting nine hours in the hallways to get in to see a doctor. We're the best medicine in the world. You see where I'm going with that? It's not that easy a question. Now, the test just came up, and California, well, incrementally better. But here's how it boils down. And for those of you that live in the City of the Angels and where I grew up, uh, here it is. Uh, now, keep in mind, we're still the worst of industrialized nations. So out of 500, our average 8th grade math scores are 282 out of 100. That's nationally. California, 277. Los Angeles, 267. Bottom of the heap. 4th grade, average math scores. Nationally, 239. California, 232. L.A., 223. And the story gets worse. L.A. Unified, which is the poster child for a badly run school district, an impossible to run school district. I'm even going to say it's impossible to run. Good, bad, indifferent. 13% of black students met or exceeded proficiency goals in fourth grade reading. 13% versus 51% of whites. 23% of students overall. That's how badly black students are doing. In California, 10% of black students, 15% of Latino students meet those benchmarks in eighth grade math, compared to 44 white students and 29% students overall. So uh, there's another question. We have the best opportunity in the world, except if you happen to be a minority, then it becomes a little problem, a little troublesome, doesn't it? We have the best education in the world, really? Uh, 13% of African Americans uh, don't meet. Fourth grade reading. 
What does that tell you? It tells you we have a very long way to go. And, of course, it's a very deep question. I mean, you can't just throw the figures out. When you talk about minorities and you talk about how poorly they do and the wage gap and education and opportunities, uh, we could spend five days straight talking about all of the socioeconomic and the racial issues involved in that one. But the bottom of the line, we're the best country in the world. Well, tell me in which way. And I know I'm going to get, oh, you, I am guarantee you, go back to Brazil, you traitor you. So don't even bother. I'm already reading your email in my mind, okay? Oh, good Lord. All right, coming up, uh, the Cohen raid. Can Mueller be fired? What happens if he is the fallout and how much? And then a couple of fun ones. Uh, you know, What happens? Uh, does the president go to jail? Can he go to jail? What happens if he gets in- invited, uh, indicted uh, or invited to go to jail? Uh, there is there. That's just fun, constitutionally speaking. We're gonna. I'm gonna just bandy about some scenarios. KFI AM 640. Handle here on a uh, Wednesday, boy, a very newsy Wednesday, uh, April 11th. Some of the top stories that we're covering this morning. Mark Zuckerberg, uh, day two in front of uh, the Senate. President is telling uh, Russia, get ready. The missiles are going to fly. Paul Ryan this morning announces no re-election. We'll talk about that coming up at 9 o'clock with John Thomas. And uh, the other big story is bye-bye Mueller. Yeah, could be. So uh, this is in reference to, of course, and this is trending like crazy, and that was the raid on Michael Cohen's uh Personal residence, this is now the president's personal attorney, as you know, Stormy Daniels, $130,000 payoff for the non-disclosure agreement. And then all of that story involving uh, he got a uh, a mortgage on his house, the president didn't know, he paid for it out of personal money. I mean, you know, we've heard that story a bunch of times. Now, uh, once that raid was accomplished, and this is on his office and his residence, and there, uh, there was also a hotel room where he lives and or does business out of, and it wasn't really clear uh, how much time he spends there. But uh, the FBI went in and raided the place, all the computers and any uh, paper writings, and just grabbed all of us for forensic investigation. That crossed the line for the president. That was the red line. He's done, I think. At that point, he went completely nuts. He's been calling this a witch hunt, the Mueller investigation. He's been calling this a personal attack on him. Uh, this is uh, the dark state. Uh, this is the FBI and Department of Justice going after him, going after his agenda, de- uh, delegitimizing his election. But this one was crazy. And he's right. It's never happened before. There has never been a raid on the premises of a an attorney, a private attorney, to a sitting president. Now, why? Well, they're looking for criminality. That's what they're looking for. I mean, the FBI doesn't come in on uh, simply civil matters. And so here's the question. We've been talking about this, and this is the question we've been hearing in the talk shows and the news outlets and cable, Fox, CNN, MSNBC, all of it. 
And that is, in the end, if the only criminal, uh, criminality is involved, and that's violation of election law, and that is uh, Michael Cohen paying for or spending money to help the election of Donald Trump without reporting it. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a slap on the wrist. I mean, do you go in and raid an attorney's office and residence? I mean, that is no small deal. I mean, the bar is much higher when you're talking about raiding an attorney than you are about virtually anybody else because of the attorney-client privilege. And the bar has to get even higher when you're talking about raiding the president's attorney. I mean, this is pretty crazy stuff. So here is what the pundits are saying, and these are people that have been in the Justice Department. These are people that have been in the FBI. You know, they grab all these people, these talking heads, or people that have experience uh, in these departments. And they're saying there has to be a lot more than that here. There has to be something here. And it could be a lot more serious. And keep in mind, it wasn't just the FBI. Uh, it was the prosecute the uh, special counsel, Robert Mueller, turning it over to the Department of Justice. And you had Rod Rosenstein, a Trump appointee Republican that okayed it, went to a federal judge who okayed it. I mean, it's not just here. Uh, off you go. Let's do a warrant. Or as Donald Trump said, they broke in to Michael Cohen's office. Well, you know, I'm not going to hold the president uh, responsible for not knowing the first thing about what a warrant is or is not. And I just give him uh, always the benefit of the doubt when he shoots from the hip. Because as soon as someone explains to him, oh, Mr. President, when you have a warrant, it's not a break-in. I remember once going to court. It was hilarious. And it was um, in an eviction matter, very early days uh, of my practice, within the matter of a few weeks. And you could stop an eviction simply by filing a bankruptcy. That stops everything cold. And I'll never forget. So you had, uh, there was someone who's being evicted, held up a bankruptcy petition and said, Your Honor, I filed for bankruptcy, therefore I request everything be held uh, in abeyance. And the judge, this is, actually it was a commissioner who said, no federal judge is going to tell me what to do in this courtroom. And his clerk, and I was right up front, whispered to him, Your Honor, the supremacy clause of the Constitution. You can't do that. Oh, 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 okay, got it. I think that's the case that's happening here. The, the president doesn't quite understand the difference between a break-in uh, and a warrant that's uh, been issued. And so now the issue becomes, does he fire Mueller? The first step, we think it's going to be uh, firing Rod Rosenstein. That's the closest step. Now, we heard that the president wanted to fire Mueller in December. And it was his staff, particularly his uh, counsel, who said, McGahn, you can't do that. And if you do, I'm quitting. And the president said, okay. He wasn't ready to come to, uh, he, he wasn't ready to, to fight that fight at that point. He may very well be now because he is so pissed off. So Rod, Rose, uh, uh, Rod Rosenstein is probably going to be fired. Uh, maybe Mueller is going to be fired. And that may be a problem for the president. Because 
if it turns out that they are they are being fired, well, let's go back to square one. Assuming that the FBI had some real information, much more so than just this uh, election violation, and there's real criminality, uh, either money laundering, and we we just heard these. None. Of, this is all speculation. No one really knows. But assuming there's real criminality and the president fires someone who is involved in that investigation or who has okayed uh, the, the furtherance of that investigation, that you're looking at the possibility of obstruction of justice. That's what got Richard Nixon. You can't do that. You cannot do that. And uh, I'm hoping that the president uh, listens to uh, who uh, the folks around him that are uh, saying, hey, Mr. President, you can't do that. Just like the judge. You can't do that. All right. I want to come back and talk about what if, what happens when he fires and the constitutional turmoil, right? It's going to be a huge constitutional crisis. No, it's not. There's some interesting facts, though, I want to share with you. There are some fun what-ifs that uh, I want to explore. And coming up after the break, your chance to win $1,000, brought to you by Cunning Dental. If you have crooked teeth, call Cunning Dental for a free exam, 888. KFI Handle here on a Wednesday. Here's your chance to win some money. You're shot at $1,000 now. Text the keyword cash to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and messaging rates apply. That's cash to 200-200. They call the winner, so you have to answer that call or you lose. Bob in Canyon Country answered the call, and he won $1,000. There's a chance to win every hour, Monday through Friday, 5 a.m. to 7 p.m. All right, now back we go. I want to have some fun with this one. And this is the fun side of the president file, uh, firing Mueller or, and or Rod Rosenstein. And it, uh, first of all, there was discussion yesterday about can the president fire uh, Rosenstein or Mueller? And uh, yes, of course he can. Well, not technically. He first has to ha- have someone fire him. He can't physically do it. Oh, stop it. Of course he can. So he has to go through uh, another process. But of course he has the authority to do that because it works for the executive branch. So unless it is for criminal purposes to stop an investigation, obstruction of justice, I mean, he still can fire him, but then the liability really kicks in. So just for a moment, and this is fun and pure speculation, all right? I'm not accusing the president of stopping an investigation at all. Uh, I just think uh, that since the search warrant was issued against uh, Michael Cohen. There's more there than meets the eye. That's what everybody's saying, but we'll find that out later on. But here's the fun one. Can you even indict a president? Let's say obstruction of justice does does kick in. Uh, Just, again, hypothetical. I don't think it's going to, but this is just for fun. Uh, No one knows. There's no law. There's no decision. Now, we know that a president has to turn over tapes, That was Nixon. We know that a sitting president has to testify in a deposition in a civil case. That was Bill Clinton when the court said, oh, yeah, you've got to sit down. Now the issue is, what happens with a sitting president? Can you indict a sitting president? 
You know what? My guess is probably yes, because there's a premise, uh, and the courts have said this, no man or woman is above the law. The president doesn't have any special powers relative to how justice is to be applied. Please, of course. Right. Rich white guys, uh, you know, are on the same level as poor African-Americans or poor Hispanics. Right. Same level. But uh, does the president, uh, can you indict him? Mm, my guess is yes. Does Let's say there's a conviction. Does that mean the president is tossed? No. I think, and this again, is just fun and this is a constitutional argument. I think the president can be indicted can be convicted, can go to jail, and he's still president of the United States from a jail cell. And why is that? Because the only way to the only way to remove a president is for the House to impeach him for high crimes and misdemeanors, which no one knows what those are. That's never been determined, the definition of high crimes and misdemeanors. Right? No court case on it, nothing. And so there is the impeachment by the House of Representatives. Yep, we're going to impeach him, much like Bill Clinton was impeached. And then turned over to the Senate for trial. And Bill Clinton, who was convicted of perjury, right? Uh, that wasn't enough to get him tied uh, to uh, get him tossed out because he won in the Senate. He won the trial. So it would take... The House to impeach, which, of course, is that ever going to happen? Of course not. First of all, it's a Republican House. Second, you don't go that far. Uh, because uh, with Bill Clinton, man, it was there. There was the perjury. There it was. There's the proof. Matter of fact, he had to resign from the Arkansas bar just before they disbarred him. And there was no issue. And by the way, Nixon, who did obstruct justice, had not the pardon come in from Gerald Ford, would have been convicted of a, of a felony. There's no question about it with the cover-up. So, if the president is not going to be tossed out by the Senate, and as soon as the vote happens, if the Senate votes to try him and throw him out, at that moment he ceases to be president of the United States. But since there is no court case, no one has ever defined any of this, I think he could be sitting in a jail cell and still be the president of the United States. I know. Crazy. But that's just fun. That's just and, and I don't think it's yeah, it's speculation, but I, I don't think it's as crazy as anything else. All right. Coming up. Handle on the news. Late edition right here. KFI AM 640. Handle on the news. Handle on the news. Bill Handel. Tell your twelve hundred dollar an hour lawyers. No disrespect. They're good. But, but tell them you want it written in English, in non-Swahili. And now, here's Bill Handel. All right, KFI Handel here on a uh, Wednesday hump day. And before we get into Handel on the News Late Edition, I uh, want to remind you, uh, tonight at 7 o'clock, David Arquette joins Conway to talk about one of his new projects, the documentary called A Survivor's Guide to Prison, which teaches you, if you ever find yourself going to prison, how to get a great lawyer, how to make bail, and most of all, how to reform and never return and have one of the most interesting sex lives you're ever going to have for a while. And on Thursday at 7 o'clock... I don't think that's part of it. 
Oh, did I miss? I misread that. I'm sorry. And on Thursday at 7 p.m., stand-up comedian, talk show host, political commentator Dennis Miller uh, joins Conway and crew. All right, here we do it. Handle on the news, late edition. Jennifer Jones, Lee, Wayne Resnick, and me. Lead story. I'm moving on. House Speaker Paul Ryan this morning announced he will not seek re-election. He's done in January. And now the fight is going to start to see who's next speaker. And uh, we're going to talk more about this at 9 o'clock, uh, after, right after Handle on the News, with John Thomas. going to join us and uh, analyze the political ramifications, especially what's going to be happening within the Republican Party. And even if it turns out that Republicans lose the House, we're still talking about, uh, in that case, it would be the minority leader, much like Nancy Pelosi controls the Democratic side. All right. Well, Mark Zuckerberg, what I think is kind of funny is it's his second day on Capitol Hill. And what I'm hearing is the exact same thing that we heard yesterday. So I start all over again. What more can they ask him? And what more can he say? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Well, are you sorry? Yes, I'm sorry. Well, do you think you should be sorry? Yes, I think I should be sorry. I just think he should have changed it up a bit because yeah. from what I'm reading, it is word for of word. Of course it is. The exact same apology and to then, the House of versus course. the Senate. And then you have... It uh, is. It is. By the way, it is. And you have some of uh, these legislators uh, asking things like, what's a Facebook Boy, how's that? Well, Mark, you want to explain that one? Oh, yo, God, you can't be this stupid as going through his mind. So Russia has vetoed uh, a draft resolution that the United States uh, drew up that would have done an independent investigation into that chemical attack in Syria. Hmm. Of course they did. Now, they had their own resolution that would have set up an investigation that the Security Council would have overseen. Which... As soon as the Security Council made a recommendation uh, to draft a resolution, Russia would have vetoed that. So um, there you go. Anything having to do with Syria, Assad, Russia immediately, immediately vetoes. Anything that has to do with a revolution, uh, resolution against Israel, the United States vetoes. I, I, why do we even bother? I, I don't even know why anybody bothers. I guess just to have a neat office building and never having to pay traffic tickets. Well, that's worth something. Well, after the sort of tit for tat that we've heard Russia saying, hey, we'll shoot down your missiles. And Trump saying, well, get ready because we've got missiles prepared to come your way. Now we find out Russia can jam U.S. drones in Syria. From Russia. You know, I I wish Brian Suits were here uh, because I would ask this question. Brian, if you're listening, uh, maybe you could email in or call in. Does it really matter? Because we already know where all the targets are. And do you need the drones or it's already preset where the coordinates are preset? The cruise missiles know exactly where they're going. Unless well, if you're going after can, targets that move right, like or, trucks or. Right, or man. I can see exactly there. There's one. Or I can see where you have changing targets. You want you decide that that one instead of this one. But I even think those can be changed mid-flight. So I don't know how big a deal this is. Maybe it's a lot, maybe it is a big deal. They're saying that they haven't yet been able to jam the bigger drones that carry weapons, like the Predators. Got it. These are the. But if they get that ability, 
then you actually right. complicate delivering the, the weapon in the first place. Yeah, and then the issue, can they uh, jam cruise missiles? But I don't think so, because those are, there's nothing there except inside the cruise missile, I think. Uh, all right. Anyway, I, I'm sure that uh, Brian's going to come in the hall uh, at some point and go handle you're a moron, and here's why. Uh, Puerto Rico and uh, some states here in the U.S. are about to receive a lot of money from HUD. $18.5 billion to Puerto Rico, about 10 of that to fix the stuff uh, that got destroyed in the hurricane, and another eight, eight and a half for mitigation activities. So if there's another hurricane, perhaps it won't be as bad. And the Virgin Islands are getting some money, Texas, Florida, even California is getting some uh, mudslide money and wildfire money hey, I, from this administration. You know, my question uh, when any of these stories come up and massive amounts of money are being spent, which obviously it's desperately needed. I mean, there's no question. This is part of the United States, and the United States, I think, has an obligation to help uh, dealing with its own citizenry and, uh, in this case, territory. But I'm wondering, if you're talking about $28 billion that HUD is going to be award, part of it even to California, uh, is this money that has to be borrowed or is it already in the discretionary funds? Is it an emergency fund that is already set up in the budget? Because it seems like uh, we blow past that every year, no matter what the amount is put away. Or it's borrowed against. The money is there, but as soon as the deficit hits, of course, you have to borrow it right back. So, I don't, I, you know, it's interesting. That's another one I should ask Brian Suits, although he would probably have no idea. Actually, what I should do is ask Scott, uh, who deals with FEMA. Because a lot of the money goes through FEMA, right? Yeah, he might know that. All right. I have no idea what he knows. I know. I have no idea either. I'm just, you know, am I actually spending time showing my ignorance here? No. Is that what this half hour is about? We'll be right back. My handle here, it is a uh, Wednesday. Boy, we're full of news today. Uh, the big story, Zuckerberg. Uh, okay, uh, again in front of Congress. Day two, same thing, same place. Deja vu all over again. Maybe bye-bye Mueller. Who knows? And then the big news, uh, or some of the big news, Ryan. Paul Ryan, uh, no re-election for him. And we'll talk to uh, John Thomas. Top of the hour on that one. All right, back we go as we finish Handle on the News Late Edition. Jennifer Jones-Lee, Wayne Resnick, and me. And you remember those 15,000 buildings that were supposed to be retrofitted by the city of L.A.? Well, the city of L.A. wants an update. Shaking all over. This was a vote uh, that makes it impossible to comply with. So they issue an ordinance, uh, and this is in 2015, Mm -hmm. saying you have to retrofit. You have to make it earthquake compliance. The problem is, uh, how many people can afford that for a house? It could be $130,000, millions for uh, a concrete structure. Who has that kind of money? And it's not as if they're giving you the money. I mean, even loaning you the money at 0% interest, you have to pay it back. Well, so they said if you had a wooden structure, you had until 2022 to make the repairs. You're still not going to make it. No, and a... Uh, 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 Concrete structure, I think, was uh, you had till 2040, but you were talking $130,000. That's for the wooden structures. Yeah. But 20, we're talking millions. 2040? 2040. Well, I mean, you're dead by then, so, I mean, who cares? It's uh, whoever's going to inherit that building. But still, it's crazy making expensive. Yeah. And it's just uh, it's just not going to happen. You know, so the house goes down. You know what? Here it is. Figure out when the earthquake's going to come and make sure you're not home. There's the answer. And how much is this going to cost for them to go around and have people tell them, no, we didn't have the money to make the repairs yet? Uh, well, 
uh, it's they're simply not going to make it. There's going to be some kind of enforcement authority is going to go out and say, Let, let's see your repairs. And go, I don't have them. And what, now what are they going to do? Nothing, because they don't, technically nobody's hit the deadline yet. So why are we spending money to go out and see right. how the progress is? White Maybe street. they can send those people out with the people who are going to paint all the city streets white. Oh. Yes, climate change. Things are too hot. And so uh, L.A. Street Services has been uh, doing a project where they paint some streets. It's not really white. It's kind of a light gray. gray but it's a huge difference. In terms of retaining heat, I mean, black absorbs heat, white reflects. They're saying it could be up to 10 degrees difference. Right. And normally when it's hot in L.A. and the sun is shining on those, those streets, the streets, the roofs of your house can be 50 to 90 degrees no, hotter crazy. than the air oh, it's around it. Crazy. The other advantage is uh, you won't see a lot of Black Lives Matter uh, demonstrations going on. Why? I don't get it. So, you mean black streets matter? Well, Maybe you won't see lots of black streets matter. Yeah, well, you know, I'm talking about the demonstrations themselves no. on streets that are... Ne- okay, won't. never mind. Uh, just uh, sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. Precisely. So in Parkland, Florida, the school district has voted against arming teachers. Uh, gun carrying inside of schools, but the school boards can say no to that. You know, it's not mandatory that teachers must be armed. It's teachers can be armed in uh, Florida under certain circumstances. You know, training and selecting out, you know, various teachers, guards, etc. But no, they're saying no thank you. And the board wants more money for mental health issues, they say. Not arming the teachers. All right. Uh-huh. Hey, Bank of America says it's not going to lend any more money to gun makers who make so-called assault-style guns. Although, although that's not total, that's not entirely accurate. Companies that make those kinds of guns for non-military use, right. they won't lend money now, to. Now, uh, my question is: obviously, there is a movement that really took off after uh, the high school shooting in Parkland, and I, clearly, those kids have hit something. Now, is critical mass here or not? Has it really moved? I mean, this is somewhat moved the needle. Now, is it going to be all the major banks that are not going to do it? You see Wells, no, Wells Fargo is going to be so busy paying fines, they're not going to pay attention to it. But are you going to see uh, the rest of the major banks following suit? And who knows? Citigroup says uh, they're going to, they won't do business with any retail chains that sell bump stocks or sell guns to anyone who hasn't passed a background check or anyone who's under 21. So different banks are picking different fights in this battle. Well, Wayne, I feel like you would be the the expert on this. Federal employees lag private sector workers in salaries by 32% on average. You know that. Yeah. However, however, my question is if you add the benefits... And you add the vacation time. Now it's starting to, uh, the gap starts to uh, decrease. You know, it depends on what you want. It's definitely worth it for the benefits and the incredible amount of annual leave that you end up accruing. uh, And for the fact that you still get some semblance of a pension, which in the private sector, there are a lot of people who get nothing. Do you guys know that our AFTRA insurance is actually better than Scott's insurance through FEMA? 
through the feds or through I'm, the military. And the after insurance is not terrific either. No, it's still better. It's really Wait, not. does he not have a choice no, of he, plans to pick from? Yeah, he does, but ours was still better. Our after one was still better. Hey, does the after insurance cover veterinary care for the dogs? No. Oh, that's a shame. That really is. <laughs> uh, although, uh, now, as far as the feds are concerned. That's covered by ARFDRA. Right. That's, <laughs> that's, well that's, done, whoa, Wayne. That's well very good. Done. And uh, then the other question is, uh, and I'm going to sneeze. Hold on a moment. Okay. Uh, now, notice they didn't talk about state or county employees. That changes everything. Man, there's a total difference there. All right. Now, coming up, John Thomas. And we're going to talk about Paul Ryan not running for re-election. KFI AM 640. Okay. And this is uh, KFI Handle here on a Wednesday morning uh, big stories uh, that we're following. Uh, Mark Zuckerberg, uh, day two of uh, I'm Sorry. And uh, just, eh, that's going to keep on going. Uh, the president said uh, to Russia, get ready. We're about to launch. And then uh, a story that uh, broke this morning, and I don't know if it was uh, expected or not, and that is uh, Paul Ryan, Speaker of the House, said he's done. He is... <clears throat> Excuse me, not running for re-election. Come January, uh, he is out. Finished. All right, uh, John Thomas, political uh, strategist who helps us understand all of this stuff. Uh, first of all, John, any surprise here at all? And uh, what's the fallout, both personally, not in terms of you, but in terms of who's going to make this run here and what it means for the Republican Party and uh, politics in general? Morning, Bill. Uh, well, it's not surprising that this happened. You know, Ryan was being uh, hinting at, well, he was adamantly denying it publicly, but his aides were hinting that this was coming. Uh, we, we, so we, it wasn't surprising that it did end up happening, but there are a couple things that, that this will kick off in effect. First is the race to succeed him, who's going to take over. And it's really between two men, Kevin McCarthy and Steve Scalise. As you recall, Kevin McCarthy was was favored to be the speaker last go around before Kevin had an unfortunate slip up, I think, on a Fox News interview, uh, which which cost him a few critical votes. And, and then what was he that? Went, Remind us as to what he said. Do you remember? Well, the, yes, I do. Uh, that was when he did a Fox News interview and said, look at how good of a job the Republicans in Congress have been doing at holding the feet to Hillary Clinton's uh, – the holding the, the fire to Hillary Clinton's feet as it related to the Benghazi hearings. And it's been working. She's down in the polls. <laughs> right? He, he said that, and then it, it, it basically appeared to show that – that the Benghazi hearings were more of a partisan bent rather than getting to the bottom of the Benghazi controversy. And that that ended up costing him uh, his position as speaker. And then Ryan came in as the reluctant uh, uh, hero and uh, and became speaker. Now, he was now he was legitimately reluctant to do it, was he not? He was and he wasn't. Remember, this guy has been spent his entire life in Washington as an aide uh, and worked his way all the way up to a member of Congress. Remember, he he ran for vice president. I mean, this guy has real uh, political ambitions. And so I think it was reluctant in a way, but it also was welcomed. Uh, So 
here's a couple things. People, most people assumed that Paul Ryan was going to retire, but they thought that he would finish out his term simply because so he, that he would win his hold his seat and be able to hand it over essentially to a Republican, another Republican. And the number one job of a speaker, besides whipping or getting the votes done, is to raise money for the party. And Paul Ryan's very good at that. And when you're when people believe that you're going to be in power forever. You have a greater ability to raise money than if they think your days are numbered and they don't care about your vote a few months from now. now so first, that that was the other angle. Now, the first district in Wisconsin, a pretty safe Republican uh, seat, isn't it? It's like 59 registered it, yeah, Republicans. Yeah. Yeah, he should be okay. It might be a little more uncomfortable than he'd like it to be, but he should be okay. But here's why I thought the the Ryan retirement situation was a no-brainer to do it now because he's looking at really two scenarios. Uh, one, uh, the one is the Republicans uh, hold on the majorities, but his but his majority uh, will shrink in terms of how many are in the majority. And if he thought he could, it was hard to get things done now, try getting something done when you have a more narrow majority. And the other is that he we lose the majority under his watch. And remember, Paul Ryan, while he may go spend time for the next couple of years with his family, here's a guy who still has presidential ambitions. And if you have those kinds of ambitions, you don't want to be seen losing anything, never mind the majority, uh, under your watch. So does he now go out as a private citizen but a huge politico and uh, just start, um, what, gathering support, gathering money for a presidential run? Yeah, there's one of two tracks. There's the the you know lobbyist Wall Street track, like Eric Cantor, who was literally done with politics and just cashed in. And then there's the other one where you 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 pick on a uh, a cause du jour uh, and and use that to stay in the public limelight as a private citizen, and then uh, have donor meetings and, and till the soil for 2020. Right. Or excuse me, uh, for the next you know 2024. The other thing, Bill, is what is Donald Trump going to do because. Whoever he anoints will probably become speaker because the conservative wing of, of the House will follow suit. And he's very close with Kevin McCarthy. And I'm assuming, uh, well, just based on who Kevin McCarthy is, I mean, I'm assuming that, of course, the sheep lobby is uh, supporting him uh, to the extent that they've never supported anybody. <laughs> By the way, for yeah, that, that's a Bakersfield joke uh, where he comes from. And uh, the other one, yeah. Steve Scalise uh, from Louisiana. Uh, is there going to be a real run or is McCarthy basically have it? It's his to lose. It really depends what Trump does. If Trump goes in early for McCarthy, I think it's over. As much as Scalise is saying right now that he, you know, he says it's McCarthy's if he wants it. Do not kid yourself. Uh, Scalise and his aides are doing a whip count internally right now and they have been probably for weeks they already know whether or not he has the votes and here's what's interesting about scalise number one he hasn't had the the oops moment that mccarthy did a few years back although i think that's in the rearview mirror at this point the other is there's a reason you and i know steve scalise's name yeah because and that's of the shooting because he he was shot right right and that garners so he, uh, that garners a lot of sympathy doesn't it and, and not just sympathy it it it, it it garners a particular strength in messaging when Democrats say that uh, 
that Republicans don't understand gun violence. They they just gun you know they're they're all uh, right wing nuts when it comes to guns. Scalise can say, look, I understand. Uh, I was a victim of gun violence, but I still am proud you know of my Second Amendment rights. Yeah. And if it weren't for people with guns near me, I would be dead. All right, uh, real quickly before we take a break, and I want to continue on uh, with a couple of more things, and that is uh, is is one of the reasons that uh, Paul Ryan bailed is because there's a, a legitimate fear that he may lose the House at midterms? There, there is there is that fear. Um, I, absolutely. He's looking at the numbers and basically saying, um, well, this is kind of out of my control at this point. And I, I'm going to lose either way because if I'm going to get blamed if we barely hold on to the House, and I'm going to yeah. get blamed if we lose the House. Got it. All right, let's take a break. And I want to come back and talk about a much bigger picture here. What does it mean on a national scale? And uh, when we come back, your chance to win $1,000 brought to you by Cunning Dental. Uh, if you have crooked teeth, obviously you look like crap, uh, but you can do something about it. Call Cunning Dental for a free exam. Call 888-640-SMILE. I can't figure it out why I'm so. a Wednesday. Here's your chance to win some money. Your shot at $1,000 now. Text the keyword luck to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and messaging rates apply. That's luck to 200-200. The winner's notified with a phone call. You've got to answer it like Michael in Riverside did. He won $1,000. Your next chance to win an hour from now. All right, uh, back we go with John Thomas. Uh, this morning, the announcement by Paul Ryan, Speaker of the House, he is retiring. He is done. He is not going for re-election. And John and I were talking about uh, the uh, probable next speaker is going to be Kevin McCartney out of uh, uh, McCarthy, out of Bakersfield. So it will be a uh, California person. Although, uh, John, earlier I think we were talking about uh, how much more California is going to get as a result of us having our own speaker. And I'm guessing a big nothing because California hates this guy with a passion, right? That's true, but it, it, it's still you can't undervalue the, 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 the real value of having the speaker from your state. It's not all about money. There are regulations. There are other things. Um, and remember, high-speed rail funding and all of those things comes from the federal side. So uh, so it, it's good to have the speaker. It's, it's good to have senior members of the House from your state. It's, just, it's a healthy thing. All right, so – uh, let's go to uh, Kevin McCarthy, uh, and that is probably the next speaker. And uh, relative to what happens, I'm assuming uh, that I'm going to you know, sort of give you a precursor here. I'm assuming if the Democrats, of course, take the House, everything changes. I mean, that's uh, a sea change, and gridlock happens. Uh, Donald Trump will be able to do nothing. However, uh, does it change at all the current makeup? Does Kevin McCartney change the way he runs the house relative to Paul Ryan, assuming the Republicans stay in power? You know, that we're, if in the, we're in the swing of the midterm cycle now, Bill, nothing's going to get done. I mean, and, and it's, and it's simply because everybody wants to be in stasis. They no no members uh, on either side want to stick their neck out and vote for something that unless it has, you know, 80, 20 support. Right. So right now you're not going to get anything done. McCarthy would simply be a caretaker. And then, of course, if 
Republicans hold on to uh, to the majorities, then they can get some things done. Uh, they've got about you know a six month to a year run before your full 2020. But um, I, I don't anticipate much to change between now, now and the midterms. Uh, and 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 what's also interesting was although Paul Ryan wasn't an incredibly popular figure, um, he really didn't in these special elections for uh, House seats. He wasn't uh, the victim of attacks. Uh, because the Democrats charged all their fire on Donald Trump and then tried to associate that with the person running for the seat versus uh, Nancy Pelosi is always the area that re- Republicans go when they want to attack another Democrat running for a House seat. All right. So does Paul Ryan stay speaker right on through uh, January or is uh, an election? Are they moving around right now and we can see a new speaker in the matter of weeks? That is a good question. I think it's really up to President Trump. I think uh, I think Speaker Ryan will do will deflect uh, to to the president. Uh, again, the only reason it's useful to have Speaker Ryan here uh, as Speaker is if he actually works his tail off to raise money, because that's what the Republicans need more than anything. One thing you have to give credit to uh, Kevin McCarthy about is he is one of the best fundraisers we've had in the house in some time i mean he's just an animal and he's not going anywhere he's in a safe district and so if he did take over as speaker he has a much stronger case to apply pressure to the interests and donors that want to give to the republicans because mccarthy's going to be around to remember whether or not they did or didn't give when he asked them yeah, and uh, Nancy Pelosi, real quickly, uh, who has a reputation of raising money, too, which is one of the reasons she's still a uh, minority mm-hmm. leader. It is at, the reason. Yeah, yeah. And, and she's like 130 now or whatever the hell her age is. Uh, just curious, who's the better uh, money raisers? Pelosi, the top of the heap when it comes to raising funds? She's she's great, but it really just depends on the Democrat side. She's the best. Hands down. No question. But her ability to raise money. It really depends on who's in power, Bill. That's unfortunately how it works. If right. you're if you have the majority, you can raise more money. You got it, John. We'll talk on Friday, okay? All right, thanks, Bill. Have a good one. All right, coming up, it's going to be Dean Sharp, the House Whisperer, the world's smallest light switches, and a new way to make deck wood. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not going to touch that. Uh, no, huh? No, no. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, Alec is saying nope. Nope, that's not going to happen. And you're right, it's not going to happen. A new way to make deck wood. Okay, why don't we just take a break? Jennifer, you want to take it from here? It's a great idea. And uh, this is uh, KFI Handle here on a... Wednesday, hump day, uh, some of the big stories that we are covering are trending like crazy. Day two for Mark Zuckerberg. Uh, the apology tour just keeps on going. He should have just had Disney do an audio animatronic figure and just sits there and goes, I'm sorry. Press the button, I'm sorry. I'm, I mean, what else? And uh president is telling Syria, telling Russia, ooh, get ready. All right. Those are just a couple of stories and there's some big ones. All right, now, House Whisper uh, segment brought to you by Sunlux. The official solar company of home, that is uh, the infamous Dean Sharp, who's heard here on KFI, and me, because we both have uh, systems. For the best value in solar, dial pound 250 and say Sun Lux. All right. 
So, uh, Dean. Good morning, sir. Good morning. The world's smallest light switch. Now, I have to... Uh, smartest. Smartest. I thought you said, Not yeah. Small. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's so small, you can't find it. I know. Smartest light switch. Do you know that when I was in high school, my nickname was light switch? And it wasn't because I was the fastest guy in the world. Either. It wasn't the world's smallest? Uh, well, no, uh, not. Nah, nah. What does this okay. say, by the way? What What does this say? Okay, read that. Okay? That's right. The yeah, the yeah. world's smallest light switches. Yeah, thank you. Yep. Okay. Yep. All right, so world's, okay. world's smartest light switches. <laughs> that, was, that was... Yeah, which... That's what they, it should have been. And they win at Jeopardy all the time. So you want to do some explaining on this one? Sure. Uh, you know, you and I have talked about this so many times. Uh, just the nature of technological advancements and the way that it is affecting uh, home construction and home design. We talk about it every other week in, in one form or another. Uh, and here I was at the Dwell on Design show last week down at the LA Convention Center. And both the things that we're going to talk about today were exhibitors down there that I spent some serious time with because I was impressed. And uh, this is yet again one of those steps forward. And when we talk about tech smartening up a house, these days we're not talking about some random prototypes or some idea of a thing that may be coming eventually. These are these are real products that are hitting the market. This is actually hitting the market this year. It's by a company called Brilliant Tech, and uh, it is really filling, I think, what is the kind of the missing gap on where smart home technology has been, and that is a lot of smart products now, like your Nest thermostat or your drapes or your lighting. It all is phone app-based, So, and that's the right way to go. It's Wi-Fi. It's Bluetooth. It goes to your phone. There's an app on your phone. You pull, you know, and so if you have your phone around, but you know, once you get home, your phone isn't always right with you at all times. Or you have crap reception like you do at my house. Right. So there has to be an intermediary device. There has to be something other than just Alexa happens to be sitting in the room with you or your Sonos or, or whatever, or your phone. And he, and it's got to be inexpensive and it's, it can't be something that takes crazy hard wiring, specialized wiring in the house, and here they are. These are light switches that replace your light switches. They can literally be replace your light switch in all of five minutes. All right, and what do they do? They interface with your lights, your voice, with camera, with Alexa, with uh, home control smart systems, with your thermostats, with your smart appliances. Okay. And, and this becomes a room-by-room room interface, and it's right there. All right, a couple things. Uh, I, is it, I'm assuming part of this or all of this internet-based, correct? It doesn't have to be. Wi-Fi-based, but it doesn't have to be. They'll, they'll continue to function even if the Wi-Fi shuts down. All right, uh, and one of my questions, and I've always done this, the more technology I put in there, uh, I put Waymo systems in, which uh, do things automatically, lights go on, etc., and those got so much in the way of uh, what was happening in my house that I had to undo three quarters of them. Understood. There was, it was just too much. And, and that this, has been the criticism that I've had of quote unquote smart home systems for many, many years because you get to the point where, like, wow, you, we are doing so. I still critique, like, Samsung has a refrigerator out that says it keeps track of your groceries. It doesn't. You have to scan them in. I already scanned them at the grocery store, I don't want to scan them back in at my home. So anything that I've got to jump through hoops to do or take extra effort to do, I'm not interested. I don't consider that part of but an active is, smart but, home system. But this is not the case. These are just light switches. 
They're light switches. The exception being this light switch you can talk to. So if you don't want to walk over to the uh, wall by the door God and turn on your lights. God forbid you walk five feet and flip a switch. All right. I know that's, that's true. Tough. That's true. Okay. And yet, uh, here's the thing. Let's say you're in the kitchen and the time has come to wake the kids up. Instead of going down the hallway, flipping on their light switches... If you have one of these light switches in the kitchen and you have another one of these in the kids' room, you can simply say, hey, brilliant, wake up the kids. Yeah, because you and never— And their lights come on. I, I get it. Music starts to play in their yeah. room. God forbid you ever wanting to walk in and touch your kids. Right. I, I get that. How about this? You're about to watch a movie, and okay. you have programmed into this the, the dim, the, the dim right. settings that you like. Yep. Uh, the uh, the setup of the home theater system. And so instead of going through all of that and grabbing everything, you just basically say out loud, hey, brilliant, set Couldn't the family agree. room for movie night. I, could, I cannot tell you what a pain in the ass it is for me to have the remote control in my hand and push the one button that says light. Okay, we're going to come back, aren't we? <laughs> Are we having a good time with this or what? We, we, do you want to pick it up and do more? We talk about uh, the... Uh, no, fine. The Deckwood. No. Poor that's Dean. Every, everybody heard. Everyone heard. All they right. know. All right. We're, they okay. know. All We're right. going to move on. We are. We're going to move on to your Deckwood. Yeah, we are. You're uh, such a brat handle. Uh, all right. Uh, oh all right. Jennifer, you want to share? handle here it is a wednesday dean sharp the house whisperer who is heard every sunday from 9 to 11 o'clock right here on kfi and don't forget his podcasts that uh, are archived and probably the best archive uh, podcast that we have here at the station because each one is sort of a mini lecture it's a library of uh, home improvement Home stuff. So uh, that's now, right. I know that's right. So some uh, people actually value what I have to say, Bill. Oh yeah. Well, and some people do, and others don't. <laughs> Dean, let's turn the corner and uh, talk about Deckwood. And we during the break we were talking about uh, how uh, what different woods you use or plastic materials or kind of almost woods that you use to, to, to build a deck. Yes. Yeah, so this is a new product that's coming out. Uh, it's a new, it's a new process that's coming out for, uh, the United States been doing it in Europe for a while now it's tested, it's proven, but here are your current options. You're going to build a deck, right? You're going to go on the inexpensive side, which is not necessarily inexpensive, but the, on the inexpensive side, on the low end, you're going to build the deck out of uh, a really soft wood like cedar or redwood. Soft meaning, you know, it's easy to scratch, dent, and so on. And uh, on the high-end side, you're going to use what we call an ironwood, either a mangaris or an ipe. These are either uh, like a Brazilian rainforest wood. Only some of that wood that's available in the U.S. is actually being sustainably farmed. The rest of it is actually clear-cutting rainforest, which is not, that's a whole thing that uh, we don't need to go into, but not good. Um, those are incredibly hard, very durable, multi-decade And insanely wood. expensive. And insanely expensive. The thing which so many people have gotten excited about these days are these plastic deck systems. 
Uh, I'm not going to mention any manufacturers, but I'm just going to say no, no, I don't like these at all. I tell you, there are two kinds out there. They both push themselves as being green, quote unquote green. One actually is, and it's the one that I like the least. It's basically just a PVC product. It's green in the sense that, like all PVC, you can recycle it if you ever get rid of your deck in the lawn. But we have to account for the fact that PVC is is a, a petroleum byproduct. So I don't know how green in the end that really is. And Plus, I don't like the way it looks yeah, or it, feels or behaves or performs long term. It, it pretend it's wood. Uh, and and when you, it doesn't pretend well. And when you walk across it, you're walking on plastic. On plastic. Now, the, the one that kind of tries to straddle the fence isn't green at all, in my opinion. It's when you take PVC and you take actual wood fibers and you combine the two together, that it makes a composite. It feels a little more wood-like. It looks a little more wood-like. But now you have two products previously that were recyclable. Wood is recyclable, and so is PVC. Now you combine them together forever. Now you have a product that can't be recycled because they can't be separated. So not a fan. I love real wood as a designer, as a builder, as a carpenter, as a woodworker. And now this process, it's called thermally treating wood. This process is coming to the U.S. It's here you can find the stuff online. Thermary USA is the particular manufacturer that uh, I ran across at the Dwell Show last week. I love their stuff. You've got woods like knotty pine, like American ash that can be sustainably grown, that can be farmed sustainably. These are not wood species that you normally associate with putting on the outside of your house. But what happens is we've learned how to cook wood. They, they use a no-oxygen steam process, just steam, no chemicals, no additives whatsoever, completely non-toxic. They cook this wood at over 400 degrees, and what it does is it changes the molecular structure of the wood, changes the organic compounds in the wood, renders them completely rot-resistant, more durable. Insects don't want to have anything to do with it. And uh, they dry out completely. These pieces of wood no longer, not only do they not absorb moisture, they no longer have the capacity so there's in no, their cells to absorb moisture. So there's no warping? There's no warping. There's no cupping. There's no bowing. They're flat. They're hard. They're strong. And they are gorgeous, gorgeous uh uh, uh, options yeah, for the deck. Especially when you think of putting woods that you never would. I mean, there's some gorgeous woods that are stained, and so you you basically almost walk outside, and you have a an inside flooring. Right. Almost. Now, uh, uh, a Brazilian hardwood has very little grain to it whatsoever. So it's it, there's not much grain pattern to a, an ipe or a mahogany when it goes on your deck. It, so it's very, very uniform. Uh, but a product like ash looks ash looks very much like oak. So imagine having yeah. an oak deck. All right, uh, well, it's amazing stuff. So if you're in the market for a deck, you've got to consider this stuff. At and, least consider it. All right, and uh, your website you can go to uh, just kfiam640.com and you get all the archives or uh, any of our social media at home with Dean Facebook, right. Instagram, Twitter. Got it. All right, uh, Gary Hoffman, how's your repay? Does Dean have a do you have a job interview today? Listen. What are you doing? This is not my only job. I know Yeah. But... I'm wearing a vest and a jacket. Right. And you don't quite match. <gasps> you you actually wow. look, you actually look like They're you, not supposed to match. The rich irony of handle uh bagging on someone else's clothes. I know. Yeah, that what, is What are you wearing under that shirt there? Black t-shirt. Mm -hmm. A black t-shirt. 
Yeah. Okay. Is that your workout shirt you got on there? No, no. I have my other workout shirt uh, at home. All right. The tank top? Uh, I don't do a tank top. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you do. No, I don't, I I don't do tank tops. All right. So what's, uh, what's happening uh, on your show today? We are going to talk about the, uh, the president's tweets on Syria from early this morning, what it means, our new shiny smart missiles that he says we're going to have uh, fired into Syria. Also, we're going to check in on the uncanny valley with Mark Zuckerberg. Continuing to testify, today he's in front of a joint House, or should say joint House committees, and the questioning is still the same. These exactly people, the same. These people have no idea how Facebook works. Yeah, and uh, they have no idea how to do a hearing. All they had to do was watch it yesterday. Yeah, it's the same questions. Know, it's now crazy. it's more, and I, Zuckerberg, by the way, went away from the clear glass of water, I'm assuming because the circuitry that was shorting out has caused some problems, so now it's just hydraulic fluid that's going into his mouth. All right. And then the author also of a book called The Apple Survival Guide. But Apple, in the way we say Apple, we can't say the word on the radio. Understood. Uh, and Brian Suits is sitting in with Brian you. Brian Suits in again today as well. So uh, you'll get a lot of information. I'm talking about not you, you out there in Radio Land. I love saying that. Uh, and you, Gary, inside Radio Land, will get a lot of information on uh, all the technical aspects of the new smart, smarter, real smart, smart. Missiles. The only adjective he didn't use was shiny. That's true. All right, coming up, Gary and Brian Suits. Uh, Dean, thank you. Hear you on Sunday. Thank you, sir. All right, take care. I'll be back again tomorrow when we do this all over again, Handle in the Morning Crew. KFI, oh, Gary, have a good show. Thank you, sir. You got it. KFI AM 640.